The Samaritan woman always went to the well around noon. It was when she could be sure that no one else would be there because it was the hottest time of the day and provided a little reprieve from the unwelcome stares and whispered judgments that followed her wherever she went. But as she approached with her water jar, she could see a person sitting next to the well. And as she drew closer, she realized it was a Jewish man, unusual in this neck of the woods. She quickly assessed the risks and her need for water decided custom would protect her from needing to interact with him. After all, Jews and Samaritans did not interact. They were like oil and water, rarely mixing with each other. If he happened to mutter an insult towards her, well, it was nothing that she had not experienced before. What unfolded next, though, was a completely unexpected interaction between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. First, he requested water from her, startling in and of itself because of their demographics. And then, mystifying, as if he offered her living water with this miraculous power to permanently quench thirst. Second, Jesus made an unsolicited, prophetic declaration about the woman's personal life, directly naming the reason that she was covertly trying to get water in the middle of the day. And third, he chose to make a dramatic theological revelation about his identity as the Messiah to a shunned Samaritan woman who was an absolute no one by society's standards. It was a bewildering encounter, one that astonished the woman so much that she abandoned both her water jar and habit of silent avoidance as she dashed back to the city, telling every person that she came across about her run-in with Jesus. As the other said, we are finishing up our series, Unraveled. And today's scripture passage, it is a story about unraveling shame. Shame, as defined by researcher Dr. Renee Brown, is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love, belonging, and connection. Shame is different from guilt, where the feeling is, I made a mistake. That can still motivate us to change our behavior. Shame goes further, concluding, I am the mistake. It often leads to more hurt, isolation. It's no surprise that fear is a regular companion to shame, with silence, judgment, and secrecy fanning the flames. So what can be done to unravel shame? Now I have to say that when I first read this encounter between the Samaritan woman and Jesus, I could not help but feel really annoyed with Jesus. When he told her to go call your husband and come back, since it becomes clear that he knows very well she does not have one, when he responds to her demurring, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Like, what the hell, Jesus? Why are you being such an ass? It kind of seems like he is proving his prophetic powers by making a mockery of her. 
Upon further reflection, however, I could see how from my own defensiveness, reactiveness, reactiveness and biases, how I was the one who assumed judgment in his words, when the text never actually suggested it. Indeed, whatever his tone and posture may have been, it had the effect of drawing the woman into a deeper connection with him. By the end of their exchange, her behavior has flipped from secrecy to openness, isolation to connection, fear to freedom. What exactly happened that she went from hiding her shame to telling everyone who she came across in her path, hey, come and check this guy out who knows every hurt and broken part of me. I think it has to do with being seen, really seen. The way Jesus named the woman's story, five husbands, current guy, not one of them, it cut through the bullshit that so often accompanies shame. But not because he was judging her. He told the truth about her situation, nothing more, nothing less, and then stayed present and connected with her through it. He must have embodied compassion and grace for her to not turn away from him. Perhaps it was also because he saw her for more than the ways that she had been hurt or failed to measure up, but also as a person worthy of receiving a divine revelation who also had something to offer to the world. Once she experienced being fully seen by Jesus, the Samaritan woman was liberated from the shame that had been festering inside of her. It no longer held power to keep her living small and in fear. The thing that she had worked for so long to keep hidden was now the thing that she was sharing openly, for it had unfolded into a story of hope. I spent a lot of time thinking about this story and the good news that it represents in our Christian faith. That shame is not our inheritance. Shame is not our inheritance. Freedom in the grace of Christ is the promise that we are given. It is the assurance that no matter what identities we hold or that we have been given, no matter what we have done or what has happened to us, God always, always, always welcomes us with open arms. It is what we profess in our press house mantra, bring all of who you are, because it is a powerful claim about how we belong to God. I also spent a lot of time pondering why this is so often not our experience. How many of us secretly carry around shame from our past experiences? How even just remembering them can make our belly tighten and our shoulders hunch to avoid that memory and kind of psychological blow. I think about how our culture is addicted to shaming people, magnifying their mistakes through viral technology so that the totality of a person is reduced to a 30 second. I wonder how many of us are caught up in a common enemy connection, where we align ourselves with people who hate the same folks so that we can avoid the things that we are ashamed about in ourselves. I worry how binary ways of interacting have led to reactive practices like canceling, 
doxing and a zero tolerance for nuance. I'm very concerned about how polarized and cut off from each other we have become. And I am increasingly convinced that shame is fueling much of this toxic behavior. Shame in ourselves, shame in others, it fuels this vicious cycle. One of the keys to unraveling this shame is vulnerability. Something that most of us instinctively avoid because it is uncomfortable, it is risky. To let others see the parts that we keep hidden, to share how our hearts have been broken, to admit where we have really screwed up, that requires real courage and a trustworthy partner to receive it. And while I believe that we can always count on God to be that trustworthy presence for us, I also believe it is vitally important that we experience that kind of trust with other humans. It is when we cultivate relationships that are spacious enough to allow for vulnerability, that is when the weed of shame is plucked out. And in its place, seeds of healing, connection, and restoration are planted. Certainly, those are things that our world desperately, desperately needs right now. So I want to get practical, because I think it's particularly helpful if I simply say, go be vulnerable, be less ashamed. Many of us have experienced betrayal and have good reason to be wary. But living behind masks, it is not sustainable. And letting shame take root in us, that will surely only lead to more isolation and pain. We do need to be wise about vulnerability, both with who we choose to share with, and also on how we become the kind of trustworthy companions to others so that they can share their vulnerability. We need to practice that with ourselves and with others. Facing shame with grace and compassion so that it's tight chokehold begins to unravel. So, here are two suggestions to begin pulling that thread of shame loose. These are researched, scientifically backed ways. So self-compassion. It's a response that you can practice when you find yourself feeling and experiencing shame. Researcher Kristen Neff identifies three components to self-compassion. Pretty simple, but maybe hard to actually practice. So the first part of that is practicing self-kindness versus self-judgment. So whenever you fall short and your internal voice starts to be critical or say like, yeah, just screw up, like, just stop that and actually treat yourself with kindness and gentleness. Second is practicing common humanity versus isolation, which means recognizing failure, suffering, screwing up. Actually, that's a pretty universal human experience. So don't beat yourself up and third is practicing mindfulness rather than over-identification, meaning pay attention. Pay attention to the present moment of what you are experiencing. So when that comes up, notice your thoughts, notice your feelings, actually notice what is happening in your bodily, bodily sensations, and let them run their course. You will survive. Don't deny it. Don't over-exaggerate it. Let it run its course. So those are three components of one thing you can do. The other suggestion for unraveling shame 
is to reach out to someone and ask for help. Now, I know this is a community of folks who are very, very comfortable with helping others. In fact, that's probably the preferred position that you would like to take. The interesting thing, though, is research shows that a person is perceived as more trustworthy when they are willing to ask for help. So put another way, if you want to be seen as trustworthy and be a trustworthy friend, you have to ask for help when you need it. There's no glory in handling everything on your own. In fact, you become even more unapproachable for others when you don't ask for help. So think of someone that you feel is trustworthy, that you can share vulnerability with and know that you will receive with compassion grace, not judgment, and then pluck up that courage and go. Share the thing that is causing you shame. Speak it out and let that burden be known. It is the first step in becoming free from it. I do believe that when we practice responding to shame with this kind of grace, much like Jesus did with the Samaritan woman, we are watering the seeds for healing, connection, and restoration in our world. So take a hold of that thread, and let's get unraveled.